a suspicious suicide. A 54-year-old cold case. A 17-year-old girl who disappeared and whose stepfather was just released from jail. A stabbing in a college party that challenged social and political boundaries. A false confession that nearly landed a standout college football player in jail for the rest of his life. These are the cases we cover on Status Pending, a monthly three-part look into cases which are open, unresolved, or prematurely closed. We bring voices of the victims, their families, and others with expert knowledge of the cases we cover with the hopes that continuing to shine light on the questions surrounding these cases might one day bring closure. Join us every month for a new chapter in our podcast. Subscribe to Status Pending wherever you listen. For more information, including ways to contact us about future cases you think we should cover, visit statuspending.podbean.com. Tell me why you think you've been such a focus of the media. Oh, there's a lot of reasons. Could have been there was a media lull at the time, and uh, you have two pretty wives and a policeman. I think it makes for a juicy story. Five, four, three. Hey, everybody. This is Danielle. And this is Daniel. And this is Carla. And we are Hoosier Homicide. A true crime podcast by Hoosiers for Hoosiers or for anyone that doesn't know what a Hoosier is. Bang, bang. Let's go. Bang, bang. Got some NASCAR on. We're watching NASCAR race. There were 18 cars involved in a pileup. 18? Yeah. Hey. Pretty intense. I only sit down and make you watch two NASCAR races a year. The first one and the last one. <laughs> <laughs> so are we on one or, or? This is number one. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. All right. All right. What's the last Which one? What is this one? This it's is the, the Daytona. Daytona 500. Okay. Okay. And what's the last one? I don't know what the fuck they call it. It's Miami, though. <laughs> I, I would go to both of those races just for the. The warm factor. Oh, okay, yes. Yep, it, it would be warmer there than it is here for, for sure. I'm like, I'm I'm cold inside. I just went to oh, a... Oh, wait a second. I have a fun story. Oh, good. Hang on. Hang on. All right. Okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. This is true. This is a true story. This was on ABC in Wichita, Kansas, okay? I love... Okay. My phone thinks I live in Wichita for some okay. reason. Okay, hmm. so... A report of a bomb threat at a Home Depot store in Kansas turned out to be a big misunderstanding. Someone at the store in Wichita called 911 after a customer reported they had overheard the threat in the store's restroom. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> we just had a customer here made what may have been a bomb threat, she uh, said the caller. He said, uh, somebody told me there's a bomb in here and you need to leave the building. He said it three times. Police did some investigating and learned the bomb threat came from a man in the bathroom stall warning others about the severity of his need to use the restroom. <laughs> Y'all need to get out of here because I'm fixing to blow it up, he said. <laughs> a deuce bomb. It's important to use context clues. Yes. <laughs> yes. We have to know the context. was. Where was he standing when he said this? Yes. Where were his pants when he made this statement? <laughs> and how did his voice sound? <laughs> I need to go. Get a bunch of my butt cheeks. Oh, I can't yeah. hold it. And if you had hung out long enough to hear the uh, hailstones on a farm pond. Oh, God. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> okay, here we okay, go. Okay, We've got this we go. NASCAR race starting back up. Be back in a minute. Oh, the Oscar Mayer car got damaged. Wiener, wieners. You want to turn it back down? I was listening to Clint Boyer talk to his crew. His cream about the fried pickles that are free mm -hmm. at Hooters after the race. I love fried pickles. Hey, they are damn good. Whatever that sauce is you dip them in, I don't know what it is, but it's, I could bathe in it. It's a firm of ranch. <laughs> a crossbreed of ranch. It's a crossbreed of ranch with Thousand Island dressing, I think. Fancy I don't know, sauce. I just made that up, honestly. <laughs> it's, it's Big Mac sauce. The best fried pickles ever were the ones at One Liners. 
Yeah, it's like that a was church a common now occurrence. Oh, how much better? How much better? <laughs> what is it now? It's like a church now. Oh, it is. Yeah, I think so. I was just over there not that long ago. They turn one-liners into a church. They can turn anywhere into a church. You, anywhere can well, be that's a church. True. You just baptize it, and it's good to go. Exactly. I don't think that's how that works. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you'd have to submerge. I'm a. I believe in submerging, so you'd have to submerge the building. The whole building. The whole building. I thought you just got a <laughs> blessed fire hydrant and sprayed it. That's how you Catholics do it. Mm. You mm. believe in spraying things. <laughs> Sometimes it's sprinkling. (laughs) (laughs) We do sprinkle a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. Tell us your story. You both know what it is this week. How do you know? Because I told you. You didn't tell me. I said you're going to know. You're going to know. I thought I told you. No. Nobody tells me. (laughs) Daniel knows. I know. Because it's a popular But I'd have known it anyways. Hmm? I would have known it anyways. Yeah, because it's popular. So it didn't matter. There's a phenomenon. A phenomenon? In the true crime community where you should, under no circumstance, date anyone with the last name of Peterson. Oh, this is what we're talking about? But which one? There's three of them. Rob? No. <laughs> just kidding. Rob? Is uh, Jimmy? <laughs> Jimmy? Jimmy Stewart Peterson. <laughs> Dad and I were talking about this and... I'm driving, so I can't look up anything specifically, and I'm just pulling it off the top of my head. And he knows about some of these crimes, too. And so we're literally just shuffling up all three of these guys and their crimes. I'm like, yeah, he's the one who pushed his wife down the stairs. He goes, no, I'm pretty sure they found her in a body of water. I was like, no, she's still missing. (laughs) And it's like, which one are we talking about? You guys literally didn't know what you were talking about. No, we were shuffling up all the facts. All of them. So which one are we talking about? Drew Peterson. Okay. Which she I... was found in a body of water. No. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> That's Scott Peterson. Damn it. <laughs> and Michael Peterson is The Staircase, which is on Netflix. Uh, called The Staircase? Staircase, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, tell us about it, because clearly I know nothing. I think the Drew Peterson thing happened first timeline wise maybe i don't know nah nah maybe not they all they're spread out drew walter peterson was born january 5th 1954 wait before you go i remember these and i took a picture of them once i didn't find that picture but there's actually a hot dog company called scott peterson oh Oh, most unfortunate but it's peterson not peterson but still close enough still a damn sin (laughs) i saw them at walmart we'll we'll get them and review them (laughs) <laughs> what were they again? Scott Hot Peterson's. Hot dogs? Yes. Look at that guy, Scott Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> this is Drew Peterson, damn it. Okay, my bad. He graduated from Willowbrook High School in Valla Park, Illinois in 1972. So I don't really know anything about him from birth till high school. I mean, those years don't really matter that much anyways, you know. I mean, they matter if they... If something happened. <laughs> my favorite kind of willow is a pussy. Yes. Willow. Pussy willow? Pussy What's that? Willow. It's a plant, isn't it? A pussy willow? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm scared. <laughs> you walk is up that, and you... What uh, movie is that? Were they... uh, uh, private Parts. Which is about Howard, Howard Stern. Stern. <laughs> and they're that, on the radio trying to say dirty words. They were on NBC National Radio, or his show was nationally syndicated through NBC. Mm-hmm. So he said that he uh, they couldn't say anything, so they did the show... And you had to guess the first word, and he went blank, willow, blank, and so pussy. they get on there and they go, "I wrote pussy, and it's a sloppy pussy, <laughs> sloppy <laughs> pussy willow." <laughs> oh my! Childish humor. We are familiar with it. That's all I do. He joined the U.S. Army after graduating, moving to Falls Church, Virginia, to train as a military police officer, and he served for four years. So, military police, that's extra training, I'm assuming, or your specialty. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Peterson began his 30-year career with the local police force in Bloomberg, Bloombrook, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago. Bolingbrook? You know what else is a suburb of Chicago? Bloomberg. What? Pussy Willow? Aurora. (gasps) Yeah, we just watched that. Wayne's World. Bolingbrook, Illinois. Yeah. You you pronounce that Bloombrook. I've only read these notes like once or twice because there's a lot of them. All right, cool. 
yes, he began the force in 1977. The next year, he was assigned to the Metropolitan Area Narcotics Squad, which I think he fit in real well. So you're faking, you're undercover, being pretending to be drug dealers or something, I don't know. Could be a good sign, could be a bad sign. Mm-hmm. I think the, a good witch or a bad witch? I think the thing they were saying is like, you lie to your girlfriend so you can go home to your wives because you're living a second, second life a completely. Check her. By 1979, he received a Police Officer of the Year Award from his department. Peterson met his first wife, Carol Brown, in high school, and they attended senior prom together. (laughs) They married in 1974 and had two sons, Stefan and Eric. They divorced, however, in 1980 after Carol learned about his infidelity. Mm, That's part of being married. You're not supposed to do that. Usually. Usually, unless you come to some agreement. Yeah. That's weird, maybe, Mm. if you do that. Actually, no. You know what? More power. More power power to you. Peterson married his second wife, Vicki Connolly, in 1982. The two operated a bar together. She stated that there was a history of abuse during her 10-year marriage to Peterson. Vicki told police that during their marriage, Peterson threatened to kill her and make it look like an accident. I mean, but who hasn't kind of said that? (laughs) Like, I could end you, and no one would know. I frequently say, I will end your life to people. Yeah. So, I mean, I have a feeling he meant it more seriously. Yeah. She later alleged that Peterson hit her, but never hard enough to leave a lasting mark or to require medical attention. She said he also bugged their house with recording devices and taped conversations, reportedly telling her, I need to know my family is safe at home, and you're not going to be doing anything you're not supposed to be doing. Yeah. 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 In 1985, while supposedly building a case against a major drug peddler, an investigation by Bolingbroke Fire and Police Commission found Peterson guilty of official misconduct, disobedience, failure to report a bribe, and self-assigned police action. So he's doing whatever the fuck he wanted. Because I'm sure there's an impulse to do that when you're undercover. Like, how do I get this sanctioned in the middle of what I'm doing? But I'm sure he took it a little too far. Mm Mm-hmm. So he got fucking fired. The next year, though, a judge overturned the commission's ruling and Peterson returned to the ranks of the law enforcement. The law enforcement. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Vicky divorced Drew after he started dating accountant Kathleen Savio. They had met on a blind date in which he gave her a picture of himself stating, tell me you love me. He, he said that a lot, actually, to women to say, tell me you love me. Tell me you love me, baby. It's like, if you got to ask for it, is it, is, does it Get on sincere? your knees and tell me you love me. <laughs> <laughs> Their divorce was finalized in February of 1992. Peterson married Kathleen two months later. Vicky would later state that Peterson was a legend in his own mind. So a second wife said that about him. And I don't oh. think she's wrong. Okay, Drew Peterson married Kathleen, who was almost 10 years his junior, which isn't that bad. No. I think 10, within 10, I could, I, I could get behind. On May 3rd, 1992, together they had two sons, Thomas 19, in 1993 and Christopher with a K in 1994. He began to abuse Kathleen as well, sending her to the ER with cuts and bruises and often calling her derogatory names. Drew wanted absolute control over his wives and Kathleen wasn't the type to submit, resulting in a lot of physical confrontations. That's how you get it done. Yeah. <laughs> It was reported that between 2002 and 2004, police were called out to the Peterson house 18 times on domestic disturbance calls. Yikes. What's the problem when you are calling the police on a police officer and all his buddies be showing up? Um, not much gets done, I'm mm-mm, sure. Mm-mm. They're like, yeah, yeah, lady, we're here for the 20th time. What's your problem now? <laughs> Usually police would calm Kathleen down and Drew was never even so much placed in handcuffs. Like, yeah. try to appease her and at least put him in handcuffs on the side of the curb, you know, uh, from yeah. the house to make it look like she's winning. But they didn't even do that. So he was never in any trouble in an official matter. Until Kathleen was sent an anonymous letter informing her that Drew had been sneaking a young woman into their basement without her knowledge. This is why we don't have a basement. <laughs> so someone is saying, your yeah, husband is, yeah, that's why. Your okay, husband you is cheating have- on you. In your basement while you're at home. Okay, well, I don't think anyone would try to sneak into my basement because it's kind of shitty. Yeah, kind of shitty. <laughs> I'm assuming this was a finished basement. I think he said, well, we were living separate lives. I don't know if that was really true. We were living in separate rooms. Rooms. I, in the upstairs, basement. Upstairs, downstairs. <laughs> well, I know when one of us starts demanding we get a house with a walk-in basement. <laughs> you're going to know why. Yeah. Or maybe he was shimming her through the window well. <laughs> God. But just slide on in. I'll meet you down there. <laughs> Watch out for that pea gravel. That's what's always in them. I don't know. 
Kathleen got an order of protection from Peterson in 2002, claiming that he had physically abused her on multiple occasions. Kathleen also addressed letters to prosecutors saying, quote, his next step is to take my children away or kill me instead. Did she do that? Kathy loved writing letters to people uh, and telling on people. And uh, whether she made these letters or not, I don't know. I can't answer for that. It's alleged that Kathleen told her sister that if she died, that it might look like an accident, but that it wasn't. I I can't answer for it. I can't answer for any of these conversations. Did you get physical with Kathleen? No, never. Because she told her sister, according to her sister, that she was beaten against a wooden table. Did you get very violent? I was a policeman, and policemen do not get involved in physical confrontations with their wives because if you do, you will lose your career. And I wasn't about to get involved in any type of physical confrontation with them and take that chance. But as a police officer, you've got to admit this doesn't look good. No, it doesn't look good at all. I agree 100%. It doesn't look good. At age 47, Drew Peterson met 17-year-old hotel receptionist Stacy Ann Kales. In October of 2003. Don't do it, Stacy. Oh, Stacy, that's that gap is too big. That's like you were like right at that age. Yeah. Oh, mm. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Would you be dumb enough to? I feel like he's old enough to be her dad, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Drew began flaunting his relationship with the much younger woman in front of his wife. Like, look what I can do. Now you even know, and I don't even care, and I'm flaunting my relationship with a younger, prettier version of yourself who was 30 years younger. 30 Jesus 30 Christ. Years. They even moved into a new house less than a quarter mile from their current home. So mm-hmm. he's starting a new life with his daughter, wife, <laughs> on top of his old life. That isn't really finished yet. And her parents were okay with her moving into a house with a 50-year-old. I think she had parent problems, as in they were not present. So daddy issues galore. Mm -hmm. I think both Kathleen and Stacy had some lackluster childhood. So maybe some daddy issues. Kathleen. You think? (laughs) So old. Oh, God. During a savagely unpleasant divorce, Kathleen sent a letter to the state's attorney's office declaring her fear that Peterson might kill her. And that so far, the local police had done nothing to protect her because her ex-husband was himself a police sergeant. The letter went unanswered. So she really is kind of fucked unless you just pick up and move and not ask for anything in the divorce, which she isn't going to do. She has two kids. The couple divorced in 2003 without settling their assets. So we're still fighting over money, but we're divorced. I don't, I guess that means you can get remarried. I think that's what that means. (laughs) He had no intentions of letting Kathleen get his pension. Stacey and Drew's first child, Anthony, was born that same year. So I think she got pregnant while he was still married, maybe. Oh, no, it all happened really quick. Peterson married Stacy, who was 30 years younger than him, a week after his divorce was finalized. Gag me. <laughs> well, you know, she, folks, she is in, kind of into that sort of thing. Seems to be the case. On March 1st, 2004, Kathleen... I was talking about Danielle. What? Ugh, God. I'm old. You're like a year younger than me. <laughs> I was talking about the gagging. Oh, oh Jesus. Oh, my God. <laughs> Danielle, if this dude approached you... Do you, would you, do you think you would have fallen victim? No. I mean, what the fuck, Grandpa? <laughs> go away that's so creepy i'd be so creeped out all over i would be creeped out yeah, i think they so meant strange that he went to be the wing buddy to someone at the hotel like one of his partners or someone so was meeting a woman at the hotel maybe she worked there i don't know he was playing wingman or just went along with his partner and saw this 17 year old girl she is underage she's like a minor a child a child child and was like hey baby how you doing hey baby and <laughs> Hello, baby. What I even think Stacy's sister is like, ew. <laughs> ew. Ow. No, and he's not attractive either. I don't know why women find him attractive. He's not. Even the younger version is not. Ew. Ow. God. On March 1st, 2004, Kathleen's naked body was found in her home curled up in a waterless bathtub. State police did an investigation with little understanding of Kathleen's contentious relationship with her husband. So because an officer could be involved 
it's not his department doing the investigation, the ones who have been, who know all about your business. They're not the ones investigating. It's the state police. And they normally do traffic stops and drug busts. And they, the guy that did this investigation had never done a homicide investigation before. And within 20 minutes of being on the scene, they went, oh, this is an accident. And they didn't like lock down a crime scene or anything. Absolutely. When you find someone curled up naked in a bathtub. With no water. They must have slipped. <laughs> well, okay, so she, she slipped and fell and hit her head and went down into the water. But it had been so long, all the water evaporated. Overnight. Overnight. A garden tub <laughs> water. An entire happens. tub full of water mm-hmm. evaporated. Yeah, I think he... It was really warm in the house. So most of the moisture was whisked away. That's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He had the kids and I think went to return them and she didn't answer the door and he was like, oh shoot, I was confused. I didn't know if I was supposed to have them an extra day or not. So I just left. And then he got the neighbors to come. He knew he shouldn't be the one to find her body mm-hmm. is basically what it is. Her death was ruled an accidental drowning. With no water? With no water. Did With they no check water. her lungs? I think she did drown. I think she did. But where's the water? I don't know. It was decided by a coroner's jury, which I had never heard of before. It means they get together a group of regular idiots, just like you and I and, you know, all of us. Very scientific. And they present the facts, kind of like a miniature trial of like, hey, this is what we found. What's your decision? And regular idiots decide if someone was murdered or not. I'm like, I have no expertise in this. That's I think okay. I do, Just tell us what you think. Yeah, so well, that's kind of what a grand jury is. I know, but it's they like present they present evidence to uh, yeah, what's it called? A, a jury. jury of your peers mm-hmm. to decide if you have enough to go to trial. But mm-hmm. it's just like something, just the basic stuff of like, is this was this person murdered or not? The coroner is not even going to decide. The coroner's an elected p- position anyway. It just seems so odd. It seems very flawed to me. Yeah, because one of the people on the jury was a police officer. Which she's means fine. He was a friend of Drew Peterson. Said, "This is my buddy's ex-wife. He would never do this. It's an accident." And everyone goes, "Sold. Let's go home." And it's hard to overturn rulings like that. I feel like he was a good man. He'd never hurt his wife. He would never do that. She just never learned how to swim. <laughs> and there's a big garden tub. <laughs> well, and maybe they did that because the prosecution, the prosecutor's office, didn't want to prosecute a police officer. Yeah, it's it's a weird, murky area, and I. So uh, they decided it was accidental drowning. During this time, Stacy was pregnant with their second child, Thank and God. she adopted Kathleen's children. Why? Um, I think she was a very good mother that she cared for Kathleen's kids as if they were her own. She was like, I don't know, twenty something at this point. It's and she's already had two kids. It's bad. It's just so creepy to me that she's that young and has two kids by a much older dude. Mm-hmm. So she's like now a mom to four kids. Yeah. But there was no reason for her to adopt Kathleen's kids. Like th- to legally adopt them. There was no real so it's almost like erasing Kathleen. Yeah. And they didn't like each other either. Kathleen and Stacy didn't. What well, makes you think that? We don't like <laughs> well, Danielle's never been very nice to my girlfriend, so. There's just no understanding from people these days, you no, know? No tolerance. <laughs> Less than three years later, Stacy was reported missing in the early hours of Monday, October 29th, 2007, after her sister, Cassandra, failed to hear from her when expected. Not her husband. Her How sister. old is her sister? I don't know, older than her. Okay. So they were supposed to meet up, and she didn't show. And her sister started to panic right away. She knew because they knew that the relationship she was having with this much older, creepy man was not healthy. Still no sign of a police officer's wife. Stacy is Peterson's fourth wife and mother to their two small children, ages four and two. Peterson's sister filed a missing persons report. She feared for her life and she wanted a divorce. Kale says Stacy planned to meet with the divorce attorney as early as Monday. Peterson's husband, Drew, says she left on her own. I don't believe that. She wouldn't leave the kids. I guess I'm a big story, but uh, it's really a waste of your, all your time. Peterson claims that Stacy called him at 9 p.m. on Sunday to tell him that she had left him for a younger man. <laughs> I'm leaving you. Wouldn't Grace. be hard to do. Going to the Bahamas. Wouldn't be hard to do. Mm-mm. Anyone's younger. Anyone. I think that there was some understanding that she liked that he had some money. And I, 
they don't know how he got all his money. He was a police sergeant, but he might have owned a laundromat too, or made some money doing the narcotic stuff, like pocketing cash. I don't know. Stacy might not have grown up with money, and so to have someone who pretends to be a daddy ugh, and has money, yikes. So anyway, she is missing. However, following Stacy's disappearance, Kathleen's body was exhumed and underwent forensic examination in November of 2007. So people are going, oh, okay, now it's bad. Oh, maybe we should like revisit that other thing we called an accident. Now it doesn't look, it looks shadier than it did before it did. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> so at least I think that they exhumed her body almost right away. Like she went missing in October and in November, they're like, dig her up, dig her up. Michael Badden, a former New York City medical examiner who conducted the examination at the request of the Savio's family, concluded that she died of drowning following a struggle when her body was placed in the tub. Postmortem photos showed extensive bruising and scraping to her back, torso, and face, as well as a large, unexplained gash in her scalp. Okay, so we were just ignoring that last yeah. time? Yeah. They're like, well, she slipped and fell. That's how what happens when you fall in the tub. Yeah, nobody falls like that, man. Will County State Attorney James Glasgow told the press that after examining evidence in the case, he believed that the death was a homicide staged to look like an accident. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Who becomes the number one suspect? Um, Not the husband. The husband did it. <laughs> Every time. He seemed really unconcerned about his wife's disappearance, though. He was like, she left me for a younger man. They went to the Bahamas. What do you want me to say about it? He was really callous. And he's a dick anyways. I think just by general instinct, he has to be an asshole. But he was extra non-caring about his missing wife. Last year, my life has been uh, really turned upside down. I went from having a wife and a happy family to being a single father. And I had media camped out in front of my house from 3 o'clock in the morning till uh, midnight. No, stay off my property. Stay off my property. That's pretty much hindered everything I do. People look at me and said, you know, you did this to your wife. I just look at them and laugh and say, well, thank you. You know, go screw yourself. I normally have a smart-ass remark. Everybody's looking at me and they're concerned that I'm not curled up in the corner crying about all this or feeling bad about this. And really, the bottom line through this whole time, I've been angry. I, you know, I'm mad she ran off. I'm mad I got all this publicity I don't want. I think that's a normal reaction. It's what my life has become and it's kind of commonplace to have these silly things happening to me. He joked around with the media and made flippant remarks about Stacy. On the Today Show, he brushed off any talk of Stacy wanting to leave him. He would say, I'm not trying to be funny here, but Stacey Peterson would ask me for a divorce on a regular basis. And it was based on her menstrual cycle. Oh, my uh, God. No, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. I'm sorry. That's not a thing, sir. Uh, first, Stacy's family says Stacy told Drew she wanted a divorce shortly before she disappeared. Is, is that true? No. She told me she wanted a divorce. And I hate saying this, but uh, the reality of it, she told me she wanted a divorce once a month. So you're saying it, it varied with her menstrual cycle? Very much so. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anybody in saying that, but that was a reality. There is an allegation or an accusation that Stacy told a neighbor, if anything happened to her, it was not an accident that Drew had killed her. Do you think that she actually said that to a neighbor? I really have to question the credibility of the neighbor. Because uh, Stacy and I still, even with her difficulties, we still had a re very romantic relationship. We still were together a lot. Uh, we still spent time cuddling, that type of thing. So. But, Drew, if you had a romantic relationship, if you were still intimate and affectionate and together with one, one another, how could she disappear and you not dismantle the world looking for her? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I've done, I think I've done all that I can do and all I have the resources available to do. But that defies common sense. I mean, if, if, if you were in love with this woman, were you in love with her when she disappeared? Yes, very much so. Are you in love with her today? I try to be, but it's, I'm having, I have a lot of anger issues about it now that she took off like she did. Stacy's family knew that she never would have abandoned the kids because her mother abandoned her when she was little. So she wasn't going to do the same thing. Right. And everyone knew that. But he was like, oh, well, she always had a thing for guys. And, you know, I couldn't. I <laughs> didn't know. She always liked men. So mm -hmm. this is not a she surprise. A man, she liked men and she would have her period every month. And that's how this shit happens. <laughs> you can't avoid it. And it's not my fault for sure. 
Well, yeah, you know, we can smell it, and it, like, gets fired up like a dog, you know? That's how it works. (laughs) Several leads were followed in the investigation by Illinois State Police with FBI involvement. Peterson announced his plans to retire as the Bolingbrook Police Sergeant effective December 2007. Bolingbrook Police Pension Board, that is hard to say, (laughs) voted to allow Peterson to collect his pension of $6,000 per month stating current law gave him no gave them no option because he hadn't been convicted of a crime. So he knows to retire now, get your pension before you get convicted of something, and then you don't get it at all. Mm-hmm. Police found that Stacy was less than happy in the marriage. Being only 23 years old and caring for four children, she wasn't allowed to have friends, and Drew kept constant tabs on her, how much money she was allowed to spend and where she was allowed to go, even having her followed by other police officers. Jesus Christ. He accused her of cheating, belittling her, and told her how unattractive she was now that she had had kids because she became a fat, sweaty cow. What? No, everyone hates fat, sweaty cows. Uh, He never, every time his wife, after they had kids, he was like not into them anymore. And it's like time to move on to a new one. That's so fucked. Don't get them pregnant then. Yeah. Stacy got porcelain veneers, a tummy tuck, and a breast enhancement. All in order to appease her husband. I was like, you're 23 years old. Like, you don't have to do all that. You're not even done growing yet. No. (laughs) She admitted to family that she believed her marriage was somewhat abusive and she obtained her own secret cell phone so that she could contact a divorce attorney. The same attorney that Kathleen had used. So he already knows the story. She also spoke to Reverend Neil Shore, a pastor at their church, and he had done some... Uh, like a few marital counseling sessions with him and he said he knew right away something wasn't right with drew when he was like i just need i need to know where she is because she's the type of woman that men will look at so i have to know what she's doing well, she's a fat sweaty cow yeah it's like <laughs> make up your mind i like she, my cow <laughs> he's a, she's a fat you're a fat sweaty cow she's probably just like pregnant yeah <laughs> it's like no that's all normal but he wants to know where she is and what she's doing And who she's with and always accusing her of cheating. And she's like, I don't even have time to cheat on you if I wanted to. Like, you're always, you know, stalking me or having me followed. How would I even do that? How would I do that? Yeah, she would be in big trouble if she didn't answer the phone by like the third ring. Stalking your wives wasn't as much fun before cell phones. It's like, it's a lot better now. And he reported that Stacy talked to him the day before she went missing, stating that Drew had killed Kathleen and he made it look like an accident and that she was afraid of her husband. Stacy had provided Drew's alibi for his whereabouts on the evening of which Kathleen died. Mm. And she probably didn't have a choice whether or not to give him his alibi. I'd be like, yeah, he was at home in bed with me. We moved out of the basement. And, you know, we live in the regular house now. It, it, the house does have a basement, but we don't, we don't go there now. <laughs> on the night of the murder, she woke up to find Drew dressed in black, putting women's clothing that was not hers into the washing machine. He never did laundry. <laughs> He told her, say what I tell you to say, and this will be the perfect crime. Peterson's longtime friend admitted that he and Peterson bought three blue plastic containers from a cable company where they had worked part-time in 2003. Peterson's stepbrother, Thomas Morphy, who had a history of drug and alcohol addiction, attempted suicide two days after allegedly helping Peterson carry a plastic container that was warm to the touch from Peterson's Bolingbrook home to his SUV fearing that he may have helped dispose of Stacy's body. Like, unknowing. Like, hey, come, what my dad just did. Hey, come help me move this filing cabinet. Hey, <laughs> come help me move this large blue plastic barrel. And don't ask what's in it. Mm-mm. Help me mm-hmm. come move this giant plywood box. Yes, <laughs> with locks on it. Neighbors reporting seeing Peterson and another man hauling a 55-gallon barrel large enough to hold a person out of the house shortly after the disappearance of Stacy. It was also discovered that Thomas helped Drew place cell phone calls in order to make a location alibi or to bolster his story of Stacy leaving him. So it's like she called me. Remember at 9 p.m. she called me. And it's like, so we've got to show where she is and where I am. So calling people and he wasn't supposed to answer the phone, but he's like, here, stay here. Hold this phone. I'm going to drive with Stacy's phone somewhere else and call it. Don't answer it, though. So he's just trying to make more evidence. He thinks he's real smart. Oh, he's so smart. He can't. Worked for a while. He can't even shut up. He thinks he's so smart. Yeah, it was Dr. Dr. Drew. He was on Dr. Phil. Okay. Okay, Okay, well, now all of a sudden, he's big time. Yeah, he's big time. 
Yeah, he let camera crews come all through their house and be like, oh, I don't have the heart to move Stacy's stuff, you know, in case she might come back, uh, you know, and the, the forensic team was here and they took chunks of carpet where we spilt red juice. I'm real concerned if they can't tell the difference between blood and red juice. <laughs> yeah, like he thinks he's funny. Like he can't stop. He cannot stop himself. He's one of those, I think I'm cool. So everyone must think I'm cool because mm-hmm. I wouldn't be wrong about someone being cool. <laughs> yep. My greatest hope, Stacy shows her face. She could be next door hiding in the basement or she could be in Thailand where supposedly she was recorded seeing. She's a little girl and it's a big world. She could be anywhere. When Stacy comes back, instead of looking at this woman for abandoning her family, they're going to turn her around and it's like, well, she wouldn't have left if you weren't such a bastard husband. <laughs> what the? We've left the house pretty much like it was when Stacy left. If you look at all the pictures of Stacy, she looks like a different person in every one. And everybody says, well, how can she hide being so well noticed? Well, women can really change their appearance. So her hiding out isn't as far-fetched as some people are trying to say. Stacy did all this. Uh, the bathroom is a jungle room, which I thought really kind of a unique uh, look to everything. And all her clothes in the, in the bedroom are just like they were the day she left. These are all her clothes, and basically nothing's been changed or moved around. I don't know if I can't bring myself to do it or haven't had the time, but uh, it's just like I'm kind of hesitant to move anything or change anything, and I can't figure out why. You know, leave everything the same as I can, you know, to give the kids their sense of normalcy. I, I really feel, after the state police came in here and did a search warrant, I, I really feel kind of like a rape victim would feel, you know, dirty because they were in here violating my home. Uh, I found the other day there's like a 8 by 8 inch hole I found in the back of my mattress they tried hiding, and I got a big chunk of rug cut it, cut up. We spilt red juice, and I don't know if they thought it was blood or whatever they think it was. And I got a little bit of a problem, you know, a forensics expert coming in and can't tell the difference between blood and red juice. They took a rug doctor I used for cleaning up after the kids. They took cameras. They took my guns. I think the house is totally wired in my stuff, which is fine. I got nothing to hide. He was also on CNN's Larry King Live in 2008 with his attorney, Joel Brodsky. And so he's like, here, let's go do interviews, but I'm going to bring my attorney to keep me from answering anything I shouldn't answer. There you go. Yep. He failed half of a lie detector, blamed her being under psychiatric care after her sister died of cancer for her behavior. Like, oh, well, you can't, you know, she would get her period once a month. She really liked guys. And she was emotionally unstable after her sister died from cancer like that's nothing to do with me <laughs> and he truly like believes that i was real more concerned that the lawyer believes it more concerning you know what you're not they're not getting paid to believe it Mm-mm. in december of 2008 peterson's publicist announced that he was engaged to a 23 year old christina Rains, who would be his fifth wife jesus christ whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. five because mm-hmm. we only knew about kathleen Carol? Vicky. Oh, Carol. Okay. Yeah. Carol from high school. Vicky. I miss Vicky. Damn. This is how this guy got so old. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then Kathleen and then Stacy and now Christina. One month later, it was made public that Christina had moved out of the Peterson's house. However, her father had issued an ultimatum to his daughter out of concern about the way Peterson tried to control her and what he feared Peterson could do. Well, well yeah. One wife is dead and one is missing. Someone's got it figured out. Jeez. I don't know what the ultimatum was, but she moved out of the Peterson's home when she came to her senses, quote unquote, calling the engagement a publicity stunt designed to keep Peterson in the media spotlight. He didn't need any help with that. <laughs> he didn't. On May 7th, 2009. He, he must have had a magic pee-pee. I, that's, I, I don't know, man. He, they did the Lifetime movie, Drew Peterson Unbreakable or something, played... And Drew Peterson was played by Rob Lowe. <laughs> he was on Parks and Rec while he was doing this role. And he dyed his hair like the white blonde that Drew Peterson is because he's fucking old. And he had to wear a wig on Parks and Rec. Okay. If you see it, I don't know when I have to look when it came out. He doesn't, Rob Lowe does not look anything like Drew Peterson. It is an insane compliment to have Rob Lowe play this guy. <laughs> On May 7, 2009, Peterson was indicted by the Will County Grand Jury and arrested for the murder of Kathleen Savio during a planned traffic stop. So they're like pretended to pull him over and mm-hmm. arrested him. Bail was set at $20 million. Holy shit. That's a lot of money. 
In October 2009, Peterson sued J.P. Morgan Chase for revoking a home equity credit line that he wanted to use to pay his legal expenses, claiming that his income of 110 grand a year was not sufficient. It wasn't sufficient, you ask, because he had six attorneys. Holy shit. All of them just as cocky and arrogant as he, as he was. There's a video of it. It's so bizarre. Like, he picked out attorneys that were just as dickish as he was. I was like, do you guys all hang out together? They probably loved each other. They're like, yos, this guy's one of us. He couldn't have possibly done this. Yeah. It- <laughs> yeah, he smacked his wife around a little bit, but she probably deserved it. She went out and got her period and stuff. And, you know, <laughs> you know how them women's are. <laughs> the women's is. They would all have their sunglasses on and they'd be like, so what do you know about Stacy? And they'd go, Stacy who? Her mom's got it going on. I'll be like, Stacy, his wife that's missing Stacy. Like, oh, that's Stacy. What? Yeah. They were real dicks. Stacy's mom has got it going on. Yes, so thank said, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in July of 2010, Judge White ruled that Peterson would remain in the Will County Jail for the remainder of his trial and appeals process. Prosecutors argued he posed a danger if released. Yeah, to anyone he might get engaged to. A real danger. Right. While incarcerated, he called into two famous local radio shows and agreed to be on the Drew Peterson dating game. What? Yeah. Like this guy literally killed people and he gets his own dating game. Yeah, the the host is like, "Oh, I'm going to set up a dating game for you. Do you agree with that?" He's like, "Yeah, sure, I'll do that." And it's like, ah, "This is so inappropriate. I don't know what to say to you." I think they actually dropped it, but it was said over the air that they were going to set up set him up with someone. Yeah. I was like, "That's like pushing lamb to slaughter." Yeah. Jesus. On July 21st, 2010, it was revealed that hearsay statements indicating Peterson killed two of his wives were not reliable enough for a jury to hear it at trial. Stacy's statements were crucial to the prosecution's case as it lacked significant direct evidence. When Kathleen was discovered, they didn't take any evidence because it was an accident. So why right. would we collect? So, so they had nothing other than people's testimony about what the women said to them, which makes it hearsay. And they don't want that garbage in court. No. However, in April of 2000- Well, you know how you women's do it with all your periods and <laughs> talking about yourselves and the other ones and- Gossiping. <laughs> That's what they say hearsay is. It's just gossip. Well, normally the uh, spouses always looked at the one that was responsible for it. And there were circumstances surrounding these things that would people would tend to think that that gave me some sort of motive. Even if I had- problems in my relationship with my wife if the mother of my children went missing I, I just have to think that would become a focal point in my life to try to find her have you looked for her we have private investigators that are in fact looking for her. but you know again we have very limited resources uh, to do that search yeah As you sit here today what do you think happened here stacy i think stacy ran off with somebody else I think uh, she got tired of the life she was living. It was a little bit overwhelming for her. Uh, she had four kids. She was 23 years old. And it was, uh, she just had a situation where her sister died a terrible death of cancer. And I think a combination of all those things was too much for her and she ran off. Did you have any theory about who she would have run off with? No. At the time, you weren't aware of her having an affair or? Not when she ran off, no. Later, we found out she was uh, seeing a few people. Those few people, are any of them missing? Not to my knowledge. That's something that uh, the Illinois State Police is keeping pretty tight to the vest. Uh-huh. So, but there's a good chance she didn't run off with those people that you would be looking to, that you found out about later if they're still around. I, mean, I have no personal knowledge of that, no. Yeah. Um, does it defy logic that a, a, a mother of four without a tremendous amount of resources could just walk away from her own children and then just disappear, leaving no track, no trace, no electronic trail, no car trail, no money trail, no any kind of trail that would lead to her being found? Yes, it does, very much so. It's something that uh, um, defies logic in my mind, and I can see it defying logic in everybody else's mind. Yeah. Just so we're clear with everybody here, it is your unwavering position that you had nothing to do with her disappearance. Yes. You did not do anything to her detriment, anything untoward whatsoever. That's correct. 
In April of 2012, an Illinois appellate court ruled that prosecutors could use eight statements made by both the victims, reversing Judge White's earlier decision. Peterson's defense had had to contend that the introduction of these alleged hearsay comments issued a violation of his Sixth Amendment right to confront any witnesses testifying against him. So it's super convenient that the person who could put you behind bars is either dead or missing. So we can't produce either one of those people. That's hard to make a case around. Yeah, because you most likely killed both of them. So it's a no-body homicide case. And now you bring in anyone any of these women had ever talked to in their entire lives to feel like, yeah, he threatened her. She told me, hearsay. You can't say that. Yeah. You can't say that. And it's like, well, how do I present evidence that is definitely true, but because you killed the woman or you made her disappeared, now you just get away with it. And they're like, yes, because my Sixth Amendment right would be violated. You're like, okay, then. Which is more important. So the Illinois state legislature attempt to help the prosecution with the passage of a new Illinois law entitled Drew's Law. Why they didn't title it Kathleen's Law or Stacy's Law or any other body else's law besides Drew's Law is beyond me. So he got a law. He's name. really the victim here. Yeah, yeah he I mean, is. And if you can't see that, come on, people. So he now has a law named after him, which allows prosecutors to enter hearsay statements into evidence under certain conditions. So they passed this while investigators were looking for Stacy's body. The legislation permits courts to consider statements from. Unavailable witnesses, a.k.a. you murdered your wife or you made her disappear, but they've talked to people in the past, so we can talk to those people. Providing the prosecutors are providing that prosecutors are able to prove that the witness was killed to prevent his or her testimony and that the hearsay statements are reliable. So it can't just be like, well, she told her hairstylist this one time, and so we're going to bring her in. It's like attorneys and pastors and her sister you know even if you want to discount the sister because the sister's got to have a grudge so she's making it up but you have attorneys and pastors on the stand that are like oh no i don't care one way or the other and she said this to me just so you know it's also been alleged that stacy told her sister that she feared for her life do you believe she said that to her sister again i don't know and if she was trying to um, set me up for some sort of divorce or anything that might have been a way to do it in that you did have a pattern of calling each other all the time, why did you not call her the day she disappeared? I did, but she there was she wanted her space. She wanted her space. So that day I gave her her space. Because there are those obviously that say you called her because you didn't call her because you knew she couldn't answer. But you're saying you didn't call her because you were giving her space. Correct. Did you ever get physical with her? Did you ever attack her? Did you ever have a physical fight? There was a physical confrontation where I cornered her in the kitchen one time, and she hit me in the head with a frozen steak, but I didn't retaliate or anything. Because her stepsister says that you threw Stacy down the stairs, knocked her into the TV, and threw her across the room. That never happened. Never. Just never happened. Never happened. Why, you know, why are these people saying these things? I don't know. Unless they're trying to add some sort of fuel to the fire. Well, the phone records show that you were near the Chicago uh, Sanitary and Ship Channel the day she went missing. Were you there? Yes, I was driving through that area. What were you doing there? I was looking for in a couple spots I thought that she might be. I was looking for my car yeah. that she was driving. The prosecution had no physical evidence, no DNA, no forced entry, and no eyewitnesses to connect Drew to the crime scene. Oh, no. Yeah, they relied heavily on witnesses who recalled both women speaking of the fear that Peterson would harm them. They also had one witness that testified that four months prior to the death of Kathleen Savio, Drew offered him $25,000 to help him find a man to take care of his third wife. The third one. Not the, just the third, you know, the third one. That was more money than Tim Lambesis offered. Yeah, we did a Patreon episode last night in which Murder for Hire, and it was, what, 20 grand? Mm-hmm. And we thought that was so low. That is low. The defense, consisting of all six fucking attorneys, called to the stand the defense attorney that both Kathleen and Stacy had contacted. Their intent was that he would smear Stacy through the mud by making her seem like she was a money-hungry bitch. Like, that's why they're calling And if there's one thing people hate more... Than a murderer, it's a, it's a money hungry, money. hungry bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Stacy had asked Henry Smith, the defense attorney, about her situation and if that she could get more money in the divorce if she divulged how Drew killed Kathleen. 
Yes, and then you'll also be yep. an accessory to murder. Yep, not Yay. realizing that withholding that knowledge makes you guilty of a crime yourself. So she didn't even know that. And I think she was just using it as more like leverage. Like I need money to take care of all four kids and I need to get away from him. And this is the only thing I have to work with is I know he killed her. Not if, but how. He gets up there and says that. But So the jury is supposed to only focus on the fact that she wanted money. That bitch. Wanted money to take care of her kids. Bitch, How dare bitch, she? Bitch. <sighs> he wanted her to get double D's and she went with a full C and he couldn't let it go. God damn it. <laughs> what did the jury pay attention to? Um, uh... They didn't give a fuck so much about the money part as about the fact that she said, I know how he killed Kathleen. Like that's the hearsay te testimony they don't want in is that. This attorney says, my client, potential client, told me that Drew killed his wife, third wife. They're like, well. So he was saying, yeah, as soon as I said that, he goes, I couldn't believe they called me. I couldn't believe the defense called me to the stand, knowing that I was going to say everything that she said to me, including the fact that she wanted money, that she didn't know she was part of a crime, and that she knew he killed his wife. And he's like, oh, you saw all the jury members like notebooks flip open. Like, They're like, ah. We're going to jot this down. This, this seems bitch. important. This one seems important right here. So could they have won this case before they called that attorney? Maybe. Were they going to win it after they called that attorney? Probably not. You know, you just never bring out the gloves, as I would say. Mm -mm. No. Never, never bring, bring out the gloves. gloves. Mm -mm. Is that uh, O.J. Simpson mm -hmm. reference? Okay, keep that in mind. On September 6, 2012, 58-year-old Drew Peterson was found guilty of the premeditated murder of Kathleen Savio. Jurors admitted that the most compelling evidence was based on the hearsay statements allowed under Drew's law. And on February 21, 2013, Peterson was sentenced to only 38 years in prison for the murder of his third wife. Yeah, I think he was, the max could have been 60 years because Illinois doesn't have the death penalty. Not that this was a death penalty case anyways. and. When he was sentenced, he screamed, I did not kill Kathleen. And I think one of her sisters was like, yes, you did. And they both got escort <laughs> escorted out of the courtroom. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. We just convicted you of so it. So he, so they still don't know where Stacy is. No. Do you think she will ever reappear? I hope so. But the, nobody makes it easy for her to reappear. I mean, why would anybody want to come back to this hellstorm that's been created? Well, you believe that she loved her children. Very much. So that's why she would want to come back. I mean... I would hope so. If for nothing else, for the kids. You probably can guess what I think. I think this defies all logic. I think it defies all common sense that she could or would just disappear. Which makes me believe that there's been foul play involved. If not you, somebody... I mean, she's just disappeared. It's a possibility, but I don't know. And I'm very troubled by these these repeated reports, and just even call it two, of your wives that reportedly said if they died by accident that people should look at you. I can't answer for that. Is it that you can't or you won't? Can't. What if I could? Two years later, 2015, Peterson was charged with attempting to put a hit on James Glasgow, the Chicago area lead prosecutor, on, in his murder trial. Come on, man. After a fellow inmate tipped off prosecutors to the plan and wore a wire to capture the evidence against Peterson. So it wasn't even like an inmate that could be making this up. Like, he's lying. He actually wore really a wire. I really feel like the only way you could successfully order a hit from inside a prison is if you are like a mob boss or mm -hmm. a drug lord. That you don't something. even have to set it up. You just say, get it done. If you're that high up that you can just say the words, get it done, and someone else knows what it means, and they're going to follow you, and then they don't. No. But, and he even said the classic line, like, you sure? Like, there's no turning back now. Are you sure you want me to do this? Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm, I I'm am sure. <laughs> and they're like, okay, good. You're guilty. <laughs> okay, good. In May of 2016, he was found guilty of solicitation and solicitation of murder for hire. He was subsequently sentenced to an additional 40 years in prison, which is a big difference from what we talked about 
Yeah, he had a chance to get out before. Yeah, like that's what, he could have appealed that. It's all hearsay statements. And I think it was something else called like exacto facto something where it's like you enacted this law after everything happened and you're trying to apply it after the fact. Like you shouldn't be allowed to do that. Yeah. I mean, you probably shouldn't, but they did it anyway. So he might have been able to. What did the law state exactly? No hearsay evidence. Oh my God. So they added this new law, but applying it to things that happened not since the initiation of this law being signed in, it was like a back effect and it's not supposed to be able to do that. They call it exacto facto something. Exacto facto. Something like that. (laughs) I'm not an attorney. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and that makes sense. It shouldn't. Like ripple effect reverse laws. That's not how it works. But it did here. So he should have not like tried to kill the prosecutor. Don't do that. Because then he could have appealed. That's just like a a rule of thumb for everyone. Mm -mm. (laughs) So we got another 40 years. After a number of appeals on September 21st, 2017, the Illinois Supreme Court upheld the conviction. So even if he did appeal getting convicted for killing his third wife, you still tried to kill the prosecutor. (laughs) So now you're definitely not getting out. Bro, do less. That's all I got to say. So how, why, and where do we get to talk about this case? Yeah, why? Why? Woo, what? I'm only paying attention to that. He is currently incarcerated at the Indiana State Penitentiary in Terre Haute, Indiana. Why'd they the pick Terre Haute? Federal Penitentiary. Mm-hmm. The federal pen. Um, I think he got moved there after trying to kill the prosecutor. And so that, that makes becomes sense. a federal crime. So he got put in a federal prison. Yeah, fuck that guy. Isn't that a federal crime, trying to kill a prosecutor? I would say. It I, seems if like it's, it should even be. Even if it's not, I, f- I still rude. get this reasoning. In 2017, one month after Drew Peterson transferred to the Terre Haute Institution, a fellow inmate reportedly jumped the now 62-year-old wife killer in the prison dining area and wailed on him with a food tray. <laughs> Forgive me. What was his motivation? Besides, you don't really need one if you just want to beat someone up with a food tray in prison. Is he was hoping to steal items to sell on eBay. <laughs> How does the prison inmate have access to eBay? They probably do, but he would send it home to his family for them to like pedal on eBay that Drew Peterson's used milk jug, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> so stupid. Used straws and napkins and shit. We'll pay money for that shit. Uh, but he's not. He wasn't Charles Manson. Like, no. fuck, who cares? Guards placed Peterson in protective custody. And prison officials said they'd be looking into the matter, meaning this shit happens all the fucking time. You only know about it because it happened to this dude. Yep. <laughs> Family members of Stacy Peterson stated that they hoped Peterson's murder conviction in Kathleen's case would lead to new developments in Stacy's missing person's case. It did not. Mm. So, she so is, she's still missing. Yeah. She's dead missing. There is no way that she's not dead. Where the fuck did he put her? I think that they have him at a sewage canal port something type thing so a body of water that Mm -hmm. he dumped her in and they said now her sister cassandra was not very happy that marcia clark who prosecuted oj simpson marcia 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 she did a series on a and e marcia the first 48 i think and they asked stacy's family to be a part of it or provide information or something and they said nah and it's like okay you have a right to refuse i mean you're the victim you know, family of the victim. Mm-hmm. But her sister had, I don't know, she paid for it herself of sonar imaging of the area. And they're like, we want those images. And they said, no, you can't have them. And we gave them to the police and the police have done fucking jack with it. So the police are saying the images are doctored. They're not real. I don't know if they've already searched that canal body of water thing and didn't find this barrel that she might supposedly be in. Or if she's there and they just missed her. I don't know if they didn't search it at all. But supposedly she gave these sonar images to police said, look, and it's so obvious that they videotape Marsha looking at the images for the first time. She goes, well, there's her hair. You can actually see her. Like, I don't know if she's in a barrel because we can't see him. But they, A&E got the images through an unknown source and put them on like a website or something only for news media. So some people could still see them and they're gone now. But so supposedly it's so obvious you could see right away that it is a woman in the image in a sonar so they weren't very happy that marcia why would the police claim that the images were doctored yeah like they don't want to bother to go out and look again i don't think that's accurate it's a high profile case but why would someone lie about that i like family out of desperation like i want you to search this area so bad i I mean i guess it just i mean on the other end it would just seem counterproductive to send them somewhere Mm -hmm. that they've already searched and they found nothing yeah, so she even has purchased her own cadaver dogs 
and goes out looking for her sister. It's incredibly sad. So they had a sister die from cancer and then a sister go missing. And I don't know how many siblings she had or not, but it's one sister in particular that wants to bring Stacy home. And Drew will never tell. He will never tell them. I think if he could even get out tomorrow, he still wouldn't tell them. Just the satisfaction. If you have any information regarding Stacy Peterson's disappearance, please call the Illinois State Police at 815-726-6377. I mean, maybe somebody knows something out there that we don't know. Wow. And it's very sad. So I listened to Marsha Clark has a podcast. There was just a few episodes of that was one of them. And talking about that, true crime all the time. Mother May I Sleep with podcast. <laughs> that was actually Karen Kilgariff was actually on that episode. It was Fun. an old one. It was like this. I don't know what year it was, but they were talking about the Lifetime movie with Rob Lowe. So when, if you're listening to this and they're breaking down the movie, you're like, is this true or is this from the movie? Because yeah. Lifetime can kind of take liberties with stuff. Oh, for sure. And then Murder Did, Made Me and Famous. And you know what they could have done? They could have placed it around Christmas time mm-hmm. and they could have <laughs> had dual purpose and replayed the movie around Christmas time for all you ladies that's an, to... That's excellent idea, honestly. Hallmark, Lifetime, Christmas murder. Yep. Disappearance. Yep, it would have worked. Yep, that's what I got. If I missed something, I didn't mean to. It's easy to miss stuff that's so high profile. Mm-hmm. A lot of details. A lot of detail, yet they never found her. That's really sad. Mm-hmm. I don't think they ever will, unfortunately. It'll be, I don't know, I mean, it's usually accidental stumble upon, I think, someone out hiking somewhere. But if she's in a body of water, that means she has to come loose I mean, if they had an image where they thought the body was at, could they not get to it? I don't think it's that. I think they're saying they're doctored. That they, you know, he just pushed her out. Like, it would have been, like, off of his car, maybe, out of his SUV. Like, it was easier probably to roll the barrel out than to put it in. Yeah. And to just push her. It's always easier to pull it out than it is to put it in. (laughs) Just roll her into this sewage canal shipping port. I don't know. And so if it's only sitting in there and, like, and people don't go swimming 50 feet in the of water. Yeah, it's like uh, if it's in 50 feet of water or something, I have no idea. But enough that they have sonar imaging of it and the sister saying that's her and the police are saying that's garbage, it's not her and we've already looked there. I don't know. But like someone ripped them off and mm-hmm. made the image. Yeah, and I don't I don't know again, I don't know why. Yeah, it wouldn't seem like a good idea. But if she's but... desperate enough and she thinks her sister is there and she just wants them to look again, I could see trying to come up with something to get them to go look. Yeah, but I don't know. So yeah, still a missing person in Illinois. A lot of people like to dump bodies in Indiana, but I don't think she's here. Well, yeah, if she's in a body of water, no one's going to stumble across her. If she's in a barrel in a body of water, like that barrel has to be like, because you find dead bodies once they become buoyant, like the gases and stuff start to float mm-hmm. or, and they pull you loose from whatever you were, they were trying to weigh you down in, you know, that type of thing. But if she's encased in a barrel, that I think it'd be harder. Fuck that. Now, who has all the kids? The oldest son from his first marriage raised all rest of the kids and i think without his wife i think she left him from what i was gathering and it was like murder in my family talked with him and they he didn't come out publicly and discredit his dad until the life insurance policy money like when kathleen was murdered she did have a life insurance policy of like a million dollars but it didn't go to drew it went to the kids so he had left less of a financial reason to murder her and then they got his pension money, too, I think, while he was in prison. And I think the pension money ran out in 2017. So that's when the son then came out and was like, yeah, I know my dad did it. Like, they were waiting for... Which, I mean, he has a right to that money if he's taking care of all the yeah. kids. But the sister of Kathleen, I think, resented the oldest son. Like, she needed to blame him because he looks like Drew. And kind of sounds like him. And he's like, I just raised the kids. Yeah, he's like, that's all I I did was raise the kids. He got in trouble, too. He was a police officer. And he took some of the guns that were in his dad's house before they got searched. So he had illegally taken guns. And and he lied for his dad, I think, some, too. Because that's your your immediate response is, I'm going to lie for my family member because I don't think they did this. And then later on, you realize I shouldn't have done that because he did this. So he's like, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say that he killed her, but I'm going to say that he killed her. 
So wow. they have two sets of kids, Kathleen's and Stacy's, four kids that do not have moms. And they were raised by Steve, Stefan. I'm not sure. Steve? And well, damn. I know. I don't know how long he'll be in Terre Haute. Terry Haute. But don't try to kill your prosecutor or your Ever. wives. If you don't kill your wives, you won't have a prosecutor. And remember to tip your waitresses. Uh, of course. Spade and neuter yes. your pets. Of course. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. All good things. I think that's all I got. You got anything else? Um, I hadn't thought about that one in a long time. I think mm-hmm. I'm actually more familiar with the... Uh, God, who... Scott, Scott killed Peterson. his pregnant wife. Did that happen later in time? I think so, yeah. I feel like I was older. A couple of podcasts that you can look at the perspective that he is not guilty. And they can, they'll lay it all out. I think it might be Crime Junkie does that. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's a good one. And then Michael Peterson pushed two wives down the stairs. And I started watching that, but I never finished it. It's long and kind of drug out. But if you listen to True Crime Obsessed, like ED, they cover a lot of documentaries like that. And they cover each one of those. So you don't have to sit and watch the kind of long, drawn out, boring staircase. And you get to, they cover it. Yeah, because they were doing everything, like even like, um, sorry, even like uh, picking out the jury and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, it, it's fascinating, but sometimes you're like, I can't. I'm not gonna make it through all this. Yeah, I just I need to know, but I don't. I can't make it. Even making a murderer that they've covered, I think, in Patreon. I never watched the second half of it. Is it worth watching? Yeah, it's got Kathleen Zellner as his new defense attorney, and she is known for getting wrongfully convicted people off. So she's like comes in with a whirl of badass and does everyone your diamonds think... and shit rolling up in yeah ghetto <laughs> does everyone still think he's wrongfully accused uh people are really split with that i think i'm split uh brendan dassey though his nephew did not do anything wrong that's that's probably the more saddest the saddest part is he's mentally deficient and agreed with whatever the interrogator said to make they happy. didn't literally didn't he didn't know what was going yeah, on yeah and his attorney prompted him to confess and to write it out and all that stuff so yeah true crime obsessed covers them too very interesting yep you tell them where to find us um you can find us on facebook and twitter and instagram at who's your homicide um you can also listen to our episodes on itunes spotify google play podbean and stitcher Mm -hmm. and um I think that's it. Yep. You can become a Patreon. Yep. We're going to have another episode out that Daniel did about having your wife murdered, wives murdered, planning the plotting of Are it. you trying to tell us something, sir? Mm. Who, me? Yep. No. Yeah, you. <laughs> All, All right. right. Whoa. And for honest to goodness, stay out of the corn. corn. <laughs>